Welcome to the Hitting Turbulence Podcast, a place where we discuss the beautiful ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Gary, but just call me Jade. I'm a course creation expert and an intuitive business mentor. I help women package up their brilliance into impactful courses, programs, webinars, videos, and more. But we dive so much deeper by tapping into my intuitive and spiritual gifts. I love helping women harness their power and potential by connecting more deeply with themselves via tarot, crystals, pendulums, and other powerful tools. I'm so excited that you are tuning in to this episode. Starting now. All right. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Gabrielle. I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad to be here. This is super fun. I'm super excited. Yeah, same here. I feel like we've been connected for like over a year in the online space, which is just kind of wild. I feel like we somehow like, you know, how you always do with other entrepreneurs end up following each other. And then I saw that we had a common illness that I suspected I had at the time and you knew you had. And I think that's one of the first things I did was like slide in your inbox and be like, Hey, you have Ehlers-Danslow syndrome. Like, I think I have it. Like, (laughs) yeah, well, it actually, that actually happens a reasonable amount. Um, which I have been kind of surprised with, uh, cause you know, EDS being as rare as it is. Um, but I, I talk about it rather publicly. Yeah. Uh, so if people, if people have somehow managed to miss it, I have Ehlers Danlos syndrome. Um, I was diagnosed when I was, I think I was 15 or 16. My mom will listen to this. She'll correct me. Uh, <laughs> She's but like in I was the background like, now, like just saying it. We already know. <laughs> yeah, no, she she is. I'll when she when she listens, I'll get a I'll get a message from her. She'll be like, "You were 16." I mean, I don't know what the answer will be, but right. anyway. Um, so I was lucky, and I got diagnosed when I was younger. So I was able to kind of develop a lot of coping mechanisms that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. But talking about it publicly kind of like it's almost like it kind of brought some people out of the woodwork a little bit because I think people have a lot of like shame around chronic illness and especially Mm -hmm. chronic illness and running businesses um and so I do I do get those DMs you're not the only one (laughs) good I think it's it's very similar like I got really honest about my anxiety first and having an anxiety Mm. disorder and I found Mm -hmm. people like coming out of the woodwork, wanting to talk about their mental illness, realizing I was a safe space, um, like in my like business and my like personal life. Right. And, um, it's interesting. I, that's why I think it's so important, important. And why I was such an open book, like going through the process of the diagnosis and everything, because you're right. Like any kind of thing that's abnormal, which I mean, our our like DNA literally is abnormal um like people sometimes freak out and they feel othered and it's not like we still have really fulfilling lives just sometimes it's really painful (laughs) right well and I mean anything like that that can impact your productivity as well 
Um, and I, I think that that's one of those, that's one of those big things that just isn't as well understood as it could be. Like fatigue with a chronic illness is not the same as being tired. Yes. Like if I wake up and I'm ill, I'm ill. Yes. Like if I wake up, <laughs> you know, even, even though I work, anyone who follows me knows I work in the same room that I sleep. I have one room at this point. I'm living in a three meters squared bedroom essentially uh just outside of London and um will be for probably quite some time and so even like getting from the bed to the desk on some days is a struggle and it's just really difficult to understand that and it's a, it's a bit difficult to have empathy for that if you haven't experienced it yes um so the you know the more we talk about it the more we kind of share that experience I think the more we can grow a community of understanding even with those who haven't been there haven't been there haven't done that you know yes I think it's huge you know I grew up and my father is disabled he's been disabled my whole life like he's Mm -hmm. always walked with canes and things and I don't want to say I was like desensitized but I guess in a way I, I was right. Like that was very normal for me. I saw a very headstrong right. person who needed some help sometimes, even though he stubbornly, of course, does not want help. So to me, I felt like everyone kind of had the same experience, which of course they didn't. And that's been the new thing. Cause as most of you know, like I work a full-time job and my business still. And right. um, it, Wild. My, yeah, my like new <laughs> boss, um, like my back, my SI joint is one that likes to go mm-hmm. out a lot. That's one of the things with EDS is their joints go out all the time. I was thinking of you as a rib was out the other night. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know your ribs yeah. like do that. Um, all the time. Right. And like for everybody, it's so different. They have different joints that like to go a lot. And for you, a rib is one. For me, my SI joint is one and they're both awful. But I had been explaining like, I'm going to need to work from home today. Like, my, my SI joint is out and they understood, but at the same time, I don't think they realize that means I'm like at a 90 degree angle most of the time. And there's no like carrying a backpack with laptops at that angle. There's no driving to work at that angle. And, um, I came in later that week with my cane and it's the first time I'd used a mobility aid at work. And yeah. And so people are, you could see people are a little, you know, taken aback, because they don't expect, you know, a 30 something looks able-bodied woman to then like strut in with a cane one day. Um, right. Happens. Yeah. Oh, the, the first time, the first time is always, I think the most eye-opening. Yes. The first time that you have to do that in a space with people who are not used to it is always the most eye-opening. I, um, again, for people who, for people who follow me, for people who know, yeah. <laughs> uh, I ended up over here because I came on a, a trip. I came on a, a vacation and then met the love of my life um, entirely by accident. So very long story. Won't get into all of that right now, maybe later. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, as a 20 something going on a trip, brought a cane with me and the amount of very interesting looks that you get on public transit with a cane as a 20 something who's very clearly traveling around it's a it's it's an interesting dynamic yes. to try to navigate it's definitely an interesting dynamic to try to navigate um because people just are not used to seeing young individuals young women young anyone using mobility aids um 
airports are hard. Yes. <laughs> airports are a mood. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the first time is always, I think, the one the one that gets you the most. So. Right, right. Like, you know, it was no big deal to me to be using it around my partner. We've been together, you know, 10 years. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he's been around my dad. He's used to it. But it's like around some of our fam, like, I guess, really his family. It was a very different thing. And it's still, you know, a process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, living living here, um, I think... I think initially it was uh, not as well understood like what exactly was going on with like me and my body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I say that like it's this, it's this like amorphous thing like because I don't know day to day what's right. going on with my body. Like some mornings I wake up and I feel fantastic. Fantastic being probably about 80% of the amount of energy that an able-bodied woman in their 20s would have. Um, but other mornings I wake up and I'm like, oh, nope 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 today is a bed day yeah and um the first time that like people close to me actually see the process of a dislocation and then relocating whatever that is um reducing the dislocation I think is another one of those kind of like very first very eye-opening moments it's that oh shit that's that really happens and you don't go to a hospital like you don't go to A&E like you just fix it yourself like this is this is the vibe right now and (laughs) like you know if I went to the hospital if you went to the hospital every time something went out of place you would never be home (laughs) no I was oh my gosh I made the mistake of bringing that up in uh Ellers Danslow's like Facebook group because it Right. My wrist had slipped out and I never had my wrist go out. And so I was just looking mm-hmm. for some guidance on kind of besides doing like this, like this thing you know, <laughs> to like try to get it back down. And people were like, you need to go to the ER. You need to go to the hospital. I'm like, you people must not have that. Like maybe, honestly, I should take that back. Maybe they had not hypermobile EDS. And so they aren't used to as loose of joints, but I'm thinking right. if I went to the hospital every time something slipped, like one right. day I got to 20 times before noon and I stopped. So I wouldn't get depressed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is like, like I can walk down the stairs wrong and dislocate my ankle. Yes. Um, I can, <laughs> you know, and it's, it, when I say walk down the stairs wrong, I mean like walk down the stairs without having an immense amount of attention being paid to the way that my foot is landing. Right. Like as a, as an able-bodied human, you don't think about walking as an able-bodied human. I mean, relating this back more to work and what I do, like as an able-bodied human, you don't think about the way that you type. Yes. I constantly actively am thinking about the way that I type. I am yes. constantly actively thinking about the angle of my hand on my mouse. Yes. Like it's that specific because otherwise I will fuck up my wrist or yep. I will fuck up one of my fingers. And as a brand designer, like I have to be able to sketch. I have to be able to draw. I have to be able to use my tablet if I want to be able to get through my daily tasks for work and for my clients 
So, you know, it really does impact the way that you think while you're going through just everyday normal things. Yes, so much. And I, you're right, like people don't realize, like, you know, you have to get up and do that movement. And sometimes when you're getting up, you have to crack things back in place. Like I, I do that mm-hmm. with my hips regularly. Uh, but yeah, the first time like people hear me crack my hips, which is like an everyday occurrence, they're like, but that's, you know, hard. Did your, you know, chronic illness, do you feel like it led you to entrepreneurship or what kind of led you there? I mean, it a hundred percent did it 110% did. Um, yeah. So I actually, I, I was on I was kind of on track and had plans mm-hmm. um, when I was in college and I was at uni um, to graduate with my undergrad, which I did. Uh, but the plan was to move on to a, a master's program and then eventually a doctorate. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, had I had applications in and the, the whole nine yards. Uh, but as I got to my my senior year. Um, firstly I I was starting to be impacted a little bit more aggressively first of all Uh, and in that year I had a couple of other additional diagnoses that happened and actually had to take um, I had to take a medical semester Mm -hmm. out of my studies um, because there was just no way for me to balance it there was no way for me to go to classes balance my mental health um, balance everything that I had going on um, and by that point, I was already, you know, I was already running a business mm-hmm. and working a job and studying. Oh my goodness. Um, at that point, I know I, I was, I was a textbook type A overachieving the millennial burnout kids now, right. you know, <laughs> 100%. I get it. <laughs> millennial burnout kid I was like I'm gonna do everything really what it was is I was I was very much overcompensating for what Mm -hmm. I saw as um physical deficiencies yeah like and I can say that out loud now knowing that Mm -hmm. I have worked very very hard with therapists um (laughs) uh, worked very very hard with therapists um and joined communities of other people who you know are dealing with the same things that we deal with and you know it really did kind of lead me to get to this point where I was like oh right I am very seriously overcompensating overworking myself to a point of severe burnout that actually there's um there's a post on my blog uh that talks about this Mm. because what that eventually ended up leading to was a totally unidentifiably sourced episode of sepsis (laughs) that hospitalized me oh yeah 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 and there's no, they, they never identified why. The only thing that we can kind of track back to is like, I, at that specific point in my life was running my business, was studying. I mean, I, I was a triple major with multiple minors. Like I, when I say overcompensating, I was really overcompensating, like, right. like a hella, <laughs> like mo- more than, more than any human should ever expect themselves to achieve. Like my standards for myself were like that of of some otherworldly creature yeah um and it basically ended up causing my body to be like okay fine if you won't listen to me now excuse me you'll listen to me from a hospital bed yes fine well we'll, I can play that game I'm a gangster too Mm -hmm. um (laughs) um so so anyway 
that that kind of moment crystallized a lot for me right it crystallized a lot for me um because I I very much realized that like this academic track I was on although I very much enjoyed it um it was not going to be something sustainable for me. And that environment was very damaging to my mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, The the environment of achievement, the environment of an expectation of work outside of work was not going to be something that I could go into. And so as I kind of approached graduation, I was like, well, I have, you know, I have this business that I've been using to get myself through college. Mm -hmm. What if I open that up? You know, what if instead of just taking on a limited number of local clients, you know, what if I expanded this? What if I made this what I did? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and as I was kind of in that period of time as well, it was becoming clearer and clearer to me that a schedule, a rigorous schedule that required that I got up at a specific time every day and did specific things at specific times every day and ate my meals at specific times every day in an office or, you know, even because one of the things that I had thought was that going into academia would mean that I had a lot more control over my schedule, which (laughs) I think you can probably agree is one of those misconceptions. Yes. About academia. (laughs) 100%. Like, we have a lot of parallels in that, like as the woman with four degrees who is working full time and writing a dissertation and starting a business, like I get it. Right. At my old job, I had a lot of flexibility, but then there were also things like I worked at a reference desk in a library. So if I had like a stomach flare, because stomach issues are a huge part for a lot of BDSers. GI, it's a mood. Yes. Like that was really problematic. So it's like I had some flexibility, but then some parts of my schedule were very inflexible. And now I'm at a place where people weren't watching me go through this journey. And it's a little bit more of a set schedule. And it's a lot of conversations that Chris and I are having right now, because some, some days I wake up and there's so much energy and the pain is so low. Uh, but then there are those like days I wake up and <laughs> that was last week. I was trying to get gr- dressed in my right shoulder, my right hip, my right knee, my right ankle all popped out while I was getting oh, And I was yep. like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. This not going to work today. Um, yeah. And so we're kind of discovering that a little bit right now that it's the work from home was really good for my body and really healing for my body. And now what? right 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 well and that was you know that was a big part of what I kind of kind of realized all at once in that in that time period was you know okay well my schedule is not going to be as forgiving as I need it to be if I continue on this path if I go in you know go this academic route and, and enter academia the way that I wanted to um so yeah I would definitely say that being, you know, being a young woman with a chronic illness very much led me to entrepreneurship because Mm -hmm. now, you know, I can pace myself. If I need a day, (laughs) I can take a day. Um, I, you know, I can pace out my projects, my branding projects, my web design projects. I can, you know, ensure that no matter what, if I have a day that I wake up and I simply can't human (laughs) if I have a day that I can't human I don't have to human that day you know um and a big part of that is also you know outsourcing certain things 
Um, because even if I have a day that I can't human, my social media content goes up. Um, even if I have a day that I can't human, um, my Pinterest is still drawing people to my website. Um, and all of those things running in the background and ensuring that, you know, I have, I have external people who support me in my business. Um, and, you know, in the coming year, I'll also be, you know, implementing some funneling tools and, actually today I'm going to be recording some tools for a course that I am attempting to get put together um yeah well and you know I am I'm loath to put off my pace in certain in certain respects to my chronic illness like I don't I don't enjoy the idea that I have this thing that I can just blame and be like, oh, well, you know, it's not done because I haven't had energy because I have woken up, you know, for the past week and have felt like there was a ton of bricks on my shoulders Mm -hmm. because I had three ribs out and my ankle was all fucky. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was working through pain. And so the, you know, the minimum number of client related tasks happened, but I didn't get to other things in my business. I don't enjoy using that as an excuse. It feels, it feels a little bit like, um, not necessarily letting it get the best of me, but more like I have been dealing with this for long enough to have enough coping mechanisms coping that's a fun phrase enough coping mechanisms (laughs) in place to be able to still be highly productive Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that I kind of rely on as well is you know on the days that I do have the energy that I can do all the things you know that I plan to do um I I have a lot of productivity-based processes in place that allow me to effectively work at like the speed of three people um, on those days. And that's something that you kind of have to develop as someone who has downtime, but is still expected to perform at the level of someone who doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I don't like, I don't like blaming that. I don't enjoy it, but I can tell you that I am probably not going to be recording as many things as I planned today, because um, I was uh, I was I was I was explaining, dear listeners, I was explaining before we actually started recording yes. that I rolled out of bed today at one p.m. not feeling well, mm-hmm. <laughs> not feeling well at all, um, and that's one of those things that like if I had a nine to five, I could not do that four days a week. Yes. There is no universe in which I would have a forgiving enough boss in private or public sector work. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's be real here. That could accommodate that. Mm-hmm. So entrepreneurship was really the only reasonable option for me. Yeah, that makes me so that made me think of two questions. Like one for anybody else that has a chronic illness and they're running their own business what yeah. tips do you have for them to just, I don't even know the words for it, like how to handle it? Oh my God. I have so many. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write down my other questions so I don't forget because it's good. Yes. I was actually, I was about to say like, jot that down for yourself because yes. I'm about to go off on a, a, a massive rant here. I love it. I love it. Um, 
<laughs> so the first the first thing that is exceptionally exceptionally important is you do have to listen to your body or it will force you to um so i spent a very very long time pushing through um which i already described a bit of mm-hmm. uh but i spent a very very long time pushing through i spent a very very long time overcompensating um and it literally landed me in the hospital. It landed me in a hospital bed with absolutely no medical explanation for why I was there, other than the fact that all of my blood tests showed I had sepsis and they couldn't find a source for it. Um, So anyway, listen to your body. If you need a break, you need a break. Like it's not a suggestion. (laughs) Things can be rescheduled. Exactly. Things can be rescheduled. Um, and kind of on, on that topic, like tip two is expect that people are understanding. Mm. So it is so, so, so easy to work yourself up in your mind, especially if you're a person who has a chronic illness. And in addition to that has anxiety and, and it struggles with anxiety, which I do. And I know you said you do. Mm. Um, it is so, so, so easy to work ourselves up thinking it's going to be absolutely the end of the universe. If you move insert meeting here, mm. okay. Whatever the meeting is, whatever the thing is, whether it's a course launch, whether it's a live, whether it's a delivery meeting with a client, um, whatever it feels like, and can feel like the end of the universe (laughs) to move those things. Honestly, expect that people are understanding. You, an overwhelming amount of the time, will find that people indeed are um, overwhelmingly understanding. Uh, And especially, you know, when you present very clear boundaries about those sorts of things, which is tip number three. Oh, this is, you're so beautifully flowing into them. <laughs> Segway. Right. Um, so tip, tip, tip number three, set very clear boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really hard, especially when you're starting out. Um, I had, I think, I think really the benefit, honestly, of starting in uh, with corporate contracts, because my, my earliest contracts were with local physical businesses mm-hmm. um, to where I, I was living at the time. And some of those were corporate level. And so, you know, I was with my green hair and my septum and my ripped jeans. This is one of my favorite stories to tell uh, in, you know, boardrooms presenting things to men in suits uh, who looked at me like I was an alien. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I thought I turned heads with my cane. Like that space. Right. Ooh. Like you combine all of <laughs> like and it's like it's so much like the I was a vision (laughs) I get it like one of my one of my work friends at my nine to five I was like just don't want you to be alarmed I'm using my cane today she was like yeah you disabled I think of you as clockwork orange and I was like yes I I love it oh right that's amazing um but yeah so I I had the benefit of kind of studying in a corporate environment where I, in a lot of cases, was communicating with managers. Mm-hmm. Like I was not communicating directly with the client, which I don't do anymore. I will not take on projects that are corporate level. It is too much stress for me. Yes. Um, but the beneficial part of that <laughs> was you have to be very 
very abundantly clear about what you are available for and what you are not Mm -hmm. in those types of environments. Um, And so I I did have the benefit of not only learning that, but having to be very consistent about implementing that early on. Um, And so I was able to transition that pretty pretty cleanly, not 110% cleanly, but pretty cleanly to an environment where I was working with women online. Mm -hmm. Um, But from the get, be very clear about what your communication hours are. What does that look like for you? Even if what you're telling them is, hey, you can reach me on X platform between X hours and on you know weekends I'll be less available even if it's something very straightforward and simple like that where you're not saying oh I have strict office hours these are them (laughs) you know um but I also have found it very very helpful to be very very clear with all of my clients that they cannot expect same day responses from me um I have literally never in the past god knows how many years encountered a branding emergency yeah <laughs> okay right. so true. there is and I'm right like there is no such thing as a course development emergency mm-hmm. right like for you you know yeah. um anything that my clients are coming to me with do I try to respond as immediately as possible of course I do um are my average message turnaround times like within the same day yes I can I can wholeheartedly say that yes they are however my contract very clearly outlines and my intro emails very clearly outline that if you know I don't respond within like 24 hours I have 72 72 hours because two days of downtime for a major dislocation is is about kind of what I I expect to be working with for myself Mm -hmm. um and even within that you know it's it's not I will get back to and solve your problem completely within you know 48 72 hours it's I will acknowledge that you have messaged me and get back to things you know as quickly as I can Mm. um but setting that expectation setting those boundaries early um is incredibly helpful and overwhelmingly people are respectful of them right? Like you will of course have the occasional human who expects you (laughs) to be accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all the time. Usually it just means they have poor boundaries in their own business, Mm -hmm. not calling anybody out, but I'm kind of calling you out. (laughs) Because, you know, if you, if you expect that of people, it's usually because that is expected of you. Like that's just kind of how that balance works. Um, Or I shouldn't call it a balance. It is an imbalance. Let's be honest. (laughs) but you have to communicate the boundaries for people to understand what the boundaries are. Totally. Right. And, you know, for me and my clients, like that's a part of my brand experience. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I talk about. Like if you follow me on social, like you will see me talk about how boundaries and boundary setting is a part of client communication. Right. And client communication is client experience and client experience is branding. Like it is all <laughs> nice and tidy wrapped up within the way that you present your message front facing to your potential you know customers your potential clients um so yeah that's you know that's one of those big things I think that was that was tip number three I think that so was tip yes. number three mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um and 
I said I was going to rant, but I'll, I'll just, I'll just do, I'll do one more big one. Perfect. I'll do one more big one. Um, moderate your workload. Mm. Uh, this, this actually ended up rearing its head for me within the past two years again, <laughs> um, a little bit, because as so many women were moving online, because of the obvious yes. nightmarescape, <laughs> um, because of the nightmarescape, um, as so many move. Right. As so many women were moving online, my services were in fairly high demand. Like my industry was in fairly high demand. Um, and I, at, up to that point, had not had to cap projects the way that I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I now having learned, having learned very serious lessons right. <laughs> from, from those moments, um, I have a cap on projects. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you are a done for you service provider and you are a person I mean even even if you're not a person with a chronic illness like let's be honest here cap your projects estimate the amount of time that you like can actually realistically a lot mm-hmm. to you know actual one-to-one project work okay that doesn't mean that does not mean don't scale right build a course contact Jade she's a badass <laughs> um <laughs> build a course okay right <laughs> create passive income streams yes 110% and scale that way but scaling through raise your prices scale that way there's a million ways to scale but do not scale your business by overburdening yourself Mm -hmm. because it's going to blow up in your face I've learned that before too oh exactly well and not only will it blow up in your face but if you're a person with a chronic illness it will send you into a flare Mm -hmm. and so then what happens is as opposed to being an able-bodied person right without those limitations um, and I mean, I call them limitations, not in any way to be derogatory, right. but rather because that's the way that I, you know, I look at them. I do have limitations and that's okay. Like I'm a person who very much owns the label, like disabled, like, yeah, I'm disabled. Some people very much do not. Don't go around calling people disabled just because I said that I feel it's okay to call me disabled. Like, yeah, I'm disabled. Right. Okay. Um, people other people with. don't like that. Yes. See what, and other people hate being called differently abled too. Like that got really trendy for a while. And people yeah. hate that too. There's a whole discourse around it. Like ask people what they want to be called. Okay. Like ask like people pronouns. how they want. Just like pronouns. It is. Exactly. It is completely. Um, but yeah, as like as a person with a disability, right? I have certain limitations that I that I get to creatively work around on mm-hmm. a daily basis. Um, but overburdening yourself as a person with a chronic illness, if it is a chronic illness that has like days that are not so hot and days that are great, like you you will send yourself into a flare. Like you are literally asking for your body to shut you down mm-hmm. and say no. No, you can't spend 16 hours a day working. Oh my god. No, yes. that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm not gonna stand for it, you know. And and then you've got bigger problems because as opposed to just being overburdened, now you're overburdened and in pain, more yes. pain than you would have been otherwise. Um, and so you can't dig yourself out of a hole, right? If you can't hold a shovel, mm-hmm. that's it, it just is just not gonna work. 
right it's not gonna work um so put a cap on your one-to-one projects find a way to scale that is not going to effectively mean that you are working 24 hours a day Mm -hmm. um and like not having time to eat or sleep or breathe um that's yeah that's 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 the tip that I'll close with because I think that's the biggest one is respecting the amount of energy that your your body can can give mm-hmm. and allowing that gracefully to impact the number of projects you take on 100%. um yeah and so that kind of leads into and we touched about you touched about this a little bit already but what advice for people that may hire someone with a chronic illness can you give and i think sometimes Ooh. people yeah sometimes people like you and I are both very honest that we have it some people yeah don't always like to disclose it because they're viewed as weak so it may take mm-hmm. some or they feel viewed as weak um so they take time to disclose it um right but my first my first thought around this is more people are living with a chronic illness than you realize um yes. but I think you know there could still be a lot of conversations to be had about how to support someone that you're working with or that you hired or whatever that has a chronic illness. I mean, I think honestly, um, a lot of this comes back to just generally good standards for what you should like the way that you should behave when you hire someone. Um, and, when I say that, what I mean is like, these are kind of just golden rules, like whether someone has a chronic illness or not, but I can say that like, they would, for me personally, like I would find them super extra amazingly helpful Mm -hmm. (laughs) as opposed to, you know, someone who might not have a chronic illness, who might not, you know, in any way feel that it's specifically helpful to them. It's just like, you become a really great client. So, I mean, I think the first one that I would say is just the general golden rule is treat people the way that you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's another thing that like I, I will occasionally talk about on social media because when you hire someone, you, you end up with this very interesting dynamic and the dynamic tends to be set from the get go um, when it comes to I mean, honestly, I think a lot of that kind of comes back to basic best practices for hiring someone. Um, So, you know, whether you're hiring someone who has a chronic illness or someone who doesn't have a chronic illness or someone who has a chronic illness, but you don't know about it (laughs) at the time of hiring. um, Because, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of stigma. And um, I'm I'm very I'm very open about it so people tend to know going into working with me they're like it's all over my website um (laughs) but I think the biggest the absolute biggest thing is to treat people the way that you want to be treated right like imagine (laughs) imagine that you had a medical emergency and couldn't make it to a meeting how would you want someone to respond to you Mm -hmm. right like would you want them to respond being like fuck fuck that like we're meeting today like no right (laughs) like you would want or like oh well if you can't make it today then we're just not going to do this project like no that's not how you would want someone to respond Mm -hmm. and obviously that's within you know within reasonable constraints right so it's very different if you know one one meeting is being cancelled 
every few weeks or what have you versus someone who's not showing any you know any kind of movement on a project for months like I'm not talking about that I'm not talking about those situations right I'm talking about like reasonable accommodation Mm. um and reasonably how you would want to be treated in those situations um like if you have an emergency that you need to handle and you have to take the day off right and you've communicated that as well you would want someone to come back to you and say oh okay that's you know that's brilliant let me know when you'll you know when you'll be back in the office Mm -hmm. um because you know I've had situations where I had meetings scheduled and I was in the hospital (laughs) you know like I ended up in the hospital um and of course I communicated that of course I communicated that um and that is one of those things that kind of again comes back to those boundaries Mm -hmm. right from from whoever is you know needing that accommodation right right? like you do have to communicate um and that can be really hard and it can be not the thing that's at the front of your mind and it can feel very vulnerable to communicate that you need space and that you need time and that you have something going on but again if you don't communicate that like your client doesn't know they can't read your mind um and I've had a lot of other things kind of going on in my life this year that I have had to be very open about Mm -hmm. because they have impacted my timelines and they have impacted my turnaround and they have impacted the number of projects I could take on um not in any way even at all related (laughs) to chronic illness um but everyone has shit happen Mm -hmm. you know everyone has shit happen people with chronic illnesses tend to have more shit happen more often yeah right um so that's you know that's the first thing the second thing is be respectful of the boundaries that are set and this is again this is one of those things it's like it's a golden rule it's whether you're hiring someone with or without a chronic illness be respectful of the boundaries that are set. If someone says they're only available for communication via email, don't message them on Facebook. Yes. <laughs> don't do it. Um, don't, don't do that. Uh, I personally am available for communication on any platform that anyone feels like messaging me on because I like it that way. Yeah. Um, I like splitting my communication up like that. Uh, but not everyone does. That doesn't work for everyone. Sometimes... In particular for people with chronic illnesses, if their communication is split up that way on a day where they can only do specific tasks, they've probably selected that means of communication so that they can actually get back to you. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) it's not just, right, exactly. It's not just that it's inconvenient for them to be like merging messages from Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest messages, which is a thing now, apparently. Oh my gosh. Um, I use a lot of Pinterest, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I do I do a lot I do a lot of shit on Pinterest follow me on Pinterest uh we'll drop the link in the show notes am I allowed to say that yeah anyway, um nerd moment there but like those those boundaries are set for a reason they're set for a reason for everyone mm-hmm. but specifically within people you know the community of people with chronic illnesses entrepreneurs with chronic illnesses people working with chronic illnesses it might be that they've said, don't email me, only Facebook message me, because they're 
they're doing shit from their bed mm-hmm. <laughs> on days that they they can't get out of it and they want to make sure that they can get back to you in a timely manner mm-hmm. right um when they can't get to their desk yes so those types of guidelines those types of um of standards in particular with communication but other types of boundaries as well um all of those are set for very specific reasons mm-hmm. and respect them as such mm-hmm. uh, it's just a good rule overall when you're working with someone I love that yeah I think that's so important like um I ran into that I had a client that was communicating with me like every means of communication possible and yeah I, uh, <laughs> they would send a lot of um voicemails on or voice notes on Instagram but mm. those expire and so if you're Ooh. telling things about your what you're wanting and those expire my ADHD as well brain like I may not even remember it I can't go back if there's a, a kerfuffle over what you requested I don't have it in writing so that was one of the reasons I started moving to Voxer because it gave that feel of still just like a really um, low stakes communication. But then I have a record of the communication and I can do it from my phone because I would also miss messages, right? Like my, my messages get so crazy. It's a lot of that, Hey girl, DM time right now. And so I would miss them and they were time sensitive. Um, and I think, you know, if you have a BA or something, that's fantastic. You're probably not missing messages, but I was missing right. messages and it impacted my business. Like it wasn't good oh, definitely. because I was missing them. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I, I did, I had a stretch like that earlier in the year as well, where my, my Facebook messages got just so bonkers yes. that there was, and it was, it was before they filtered things into requests more aggressively. Mm-hmm. They started more aggressively filtering things into requests. And that has like yes. totally solved the problem for me. Thanks Facebook. Right. Meta. Meta, whatever we call you mm-hmm. now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're called now. I don't know how to refer to you. Mm-mm. Um, But you know, thanks for fixing my messenger problems that right. I didn't tell you about. Um, but I wish you would take the unread back feature back because I really need that. Like that has been, um, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. there's a lot of cold pitches that I just leave on like red and I don't always delete them because that takes time. I need my unread <laughs> to pop back up. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. Two steps forward, one step back. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, just be be respectful of the the communication guidelines of any boundaries that are set by professionals that you're working with, um, because that was Marbles. I don't know if you heard I her so. chirping. Sure. That was her. Yeah, she makes the cutest little noises. Um, but honestly, I think those are the, those are the two big things. Yeah, you know, those are the two big things: mm-hmm. is treat people the way that you want to be treated, and respect the boundaries that people set mm-hmm. and that's you know that that applies whether you're working with someone who has a chronic illness or whether you're working with someone who doesn't yeah I think you're it's so true because I think too there's so many people that are jumping on the online space too um and right. we're all coming from these different ways of doing things and so one like making those 
setting those boundaries up for yourself as a business owner, if you haven't yet, is going to be really important. That so way, when you, right, when you come across people with different expectations, they can either decide that the, the ones you've laid out make you not a good match, or you can decide that, or it can show that there needs to be excuse me, a little bit of flexibility because I have found that a lot of people coming from the corporate world, any kind of um, creative type of project, they don't always understand the flow of how things work. And that's very different than like an accounting project or anything else. And so having those kind of boundaries in place or explaining the process or all these things it just, oh, from experience, it would have been really helpful if I would have done that from the beginning. <laughs> learned. Yeah. Well, and I mean, in, in addition to that, um, you know, one of the other things that you can do, and again, it applies to anyone. It doesn't matter who you're hiring, but mm. if you have specific expectations, make those, make those known early. Yes. Like you're, no matter what an expert right? How, how high level expertise the person you're hiring has, I promise you, they cannot read your mind. Mm-hmm. They cannot read your mind. Um, I do a reasonable job of reading some of my clients' minds when it comes to the actual like visual representation of their brand, but that has nothing to do with their expectations of me. Right. <laughs> okay. Like I, when I have opening meetings with clients, um, you know, that, that is one of the, one of the questions that I, I ask. And it's usually after I've kind of presented my communication boundaries where I'm like, you know, whatever platform works best for you for communicating with me works brilliantly. I will see your messages. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll respond to you within, you know, 48 to 72 hours. Usually it's earlier than that. Mm -hmm. Um, do those, do those match your communication expectations, Mm -hmm. right? Is that, (laughs) is that all right with you? You know, because if you're not going to be able to communicate smoothly, I don't care what you're hiring someone for. It literally does not matter whether you're hiring a coach, whether you're hiring a VA, whether you're hiring someone to build things for you, whether you're hiring a branding strategist like me, it literally does not matter if your communication styles are completely incompatible, right? If you're someone who needs an immediate response and whoever you're hiring is not someone who either can or wants (laughs) to provide an immediate response, that's not going to go well. No. For anyone, for you, for them. It's just going to go poorly. (laughs) Yes, that's such a good reminder because I feel like Two, in the online space, especially when you're first getting started, you want the clients, you want the testimonials, you want, 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 want. And so sometimes you get yourself in a situation where things aren't matching um, Mm -hmm. or you take on too much because you feel like it's what you need to do to get you where you want to be. And it feels like that's what you want to do at the time, but then often you're going to burn yourself out or things aren't going to end up working out. And it's really painful. I mean, rarely does that work out well. (laughs) Right. And I mean, you know, the, the other thing is like, I, I have packages for, you know, I personally have packages for things that do have very speedy turnarounds, mm-hmm. but I charge accordingly. Right. For, for those types of turnarounds. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I charge what that is worth to me. What it, what is it worth to me to know that I may have to get out of bed on a day that I have three ribs dislocated and my kneecap won't stay where it belongs right to get a piece of content out what is that worth to me it's worth a lot spoiler Mm -hmm. um (laughs) it's worth a lot uh but if you know it may be the case that you can handle right responding to client messages within you know a very short period of time if you have three clients Mm -hmm. well okay uh, now it's a month and a half later and you have 10. Yes. Right. Which you thought might have been reasonable and the workload might be reasonable, but can you reasonably get back to actively messaging 10 people mm-hmm. every day and still get shit done? I could. If you can, more power to you, but I can't. I I need the time to like decompress. I'm also a projector in human design. Like I have to take the time to rest. I have to take the time to unplug Mm -hmm. or my, I just don't, the limited energy I already have is really fucked by that projector embodiment. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because I can't constantly communicate. Like there are a few people I do pretty much constantly communicate with and they are not my clients. Right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, so it's just like you, you have to, you have to gauge, right. You have to gauge what that's going to, what that's going to look like for you in a month, what, what those standards are going to look, are they sustainable, right? Like, are your practices sustainable? And this applies to everyone, right? It's especially true and especially important for people with chronic illnesses. Yes, definitely. But Everyone needs to be implementing practices that are sustainable. Everyone needs to be implementing practices that aren't going to burn them out. Yeah. Right. Um, it is incredibly important. And, you know, if you don't, you might end up in the hospital like me. <laughs> it's so true. And, you know, when I first started out, I heard people say those things a lot, but I didn't always understand how to implement them or what to do because I was so new. And I know that you're really good with systems. You're a honey book. I would call you expert, but I don't know if that's the right, <laughs> the right term. Uh, te- technically, I'm a honey book educated. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's the that's the phrasing. Right, right. <laughs> So what would be some tips for you for someone that's starting out or is it that that point where they're needing some of those things in place? Um, like, how do you kind of figure that out? Because at the time it's like, hell yeah, everybody wants 10 clients and then they're trying to message them every day and get work done. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, <clears throat> my, my first biggest thing is if you don't have a contract, have one drawn up. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say have one drawn up, I don't mean write one yourself mm-hmm. I mean actually contact a contract lawyer in your region mm-hmm. and have a contract drawn up for you yes. um, depending on your industry there may be like really good ones available online that you can purchase that have already been created mm-hmm. um, that you can select your region for and it will input content based on your industry in particular um, there are there are some resources like that available for photographers and other creative um other creative uh industry mm-hmm. workers yes entrepreneurs phrasing phrasing whatever happens yeah sometimes Some words in an order that makes sense <laughs> um but have a contract drawn up have a contract that would stand drawn up um your goal is to never have to refer to it with a client 
um, if I have to refer back to my contract and tell someone that there's a clause in my contract that covers me for something, I have already failed. Uh, I have failed at communicating my boundaries. I need to look for where that pitfall was um, and learn from that so that I don't have to do that the next time. Yes. Um, but have a contract (laughs) okay (laughs) because it covers you it covers your clients right that's it's mutual contracts are mutually beneficial Mm -hmm. it is not just to cover your ass all right it also outlines your boundaries for your clients it outlines what they get and when depending on what you do Mm -hmm. um and that's really important um, it's even more important if you are in an industry like, for example, you are a coach or an advisor. Do you guarantee ROI? Is yeah. that clear in your contract? <laughs> um, like that needs to be in your terms mm-hmm. uh, because it, you will come across litigious people. Yes. Right. Um, I as much <laughs> as much as I would love to say that you can completely filter out um, any of those situations by targeting your ideal client, um, th- occasionally, right, as much as I love targeted marketing based on ideal client profiles, it is mm-hmm. like the foundation of what I do. Um, you, you do leave yourself open, right, to risk 100%. if you don't have that taken care of in the background um so start with that okay (laughs) start with a contract (laughs) that is step one (laughs) um step two is get down to what you want your client experience to be Mm -hmm. okay um a lot of people would say step two is choosing a client management system it's not Mm -hmm. all right step two is you need to define and and then test and then refine (laughs) your client experience right and that's a part of your brand Mm-hmm. obviously that is that is a part of your overall branded customer journey okay what does that look like how how do they find you how do they get to you how do you want them to find you how do you want them to get to you okay well then what's their next step do they book a call on your website mm-hmm. do they reach out to you um do you have a combination of those things potentially available depending on how they want to work with you Uh, If you're someone who offers courses, do they buy that directly on your site or do you opt them in after they've reached out and you've pre-qualified them? Mm -hmm. What does that journey look like? And the reason you need to know that is that actually very seriously impacts how you choose what client management system you want to use. 100%. Um, because not all of them have the same features. And as much as I will talk about HoneyBook all day long, I love it. I'm obsessed with it. It's my favorite. As much as I, I talk about that all day long, they've just released new features and they're adding things all the time. There are professionals for whom it is not a good fit. And I will tell you that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Like, I will tell you that if you come to me and you're like, hey, so I've been looking at HoneyBook and I know that you have this like fantastic discount that you can offer 50%. It's in all of my bio links on all of the socials. Um <laughs> But um, it's the best discount that you can get. It's better than all of their sales. Mm. Um, As much as I will talk about them all the time, constantly, they may not be the best solution for you. So it is so important that you have that customer journey down so that you you can pick and you can say, okay, I need this feature and this feature and this feature. And all of these, these are my, these are my non-negotiable features. Okay, so what out there can make those happen? Mm-hmm. Um, that also helps you avoid bloat. Yeah. What do I mean when I say bloat? So when I'm talking about bloat, I mean the 
somehow it's it, it's just like it happens by magic somehow terrible magic <laughs> um, but you'll one month you'll sign up for something six months later you sign up for something else and then 10 months down the line you realize you have 45 different pieces of software that you're using in your business and one of them has the features for six of those other things that you signed up for and you don't actually need all of the things that you're using and there <laughs> you're paying for them your accountant is getting a, have an accountant, by the way, your accountant is getting the summary for all of them, right? They're showing up in QuickBooks. The money is leaving your account, but you're either not using them or the only reason you thought you needed it in the first place is because you didn't effectively evaluate the features of the tools that you already had access to in your business. Use the features on the platforms that you sign up for. Yes. Okay. It will also help in a million different ways with overwhelm because then you don't have to log into 15 different things, mm-hmm. right? To check all of the stuff, <laughs> yes. right? If you've chosen platforms effectively and strategically so that they fit into your client and customer journey and actually deliver the features that you need, then like you, you save yourself time. Like it's, it's, it's win-win. Mm-hmm. It's a win-win-win. Everyone wins. 100%. <laughs> um, So that's, I mean, that's step two Mm -hmm. is define your customer journey, right? Define that, base it on your brand values, okay? Um, Free free advising here. That's (laughs) Um, good tips. (laughs) When, yeah, when when you're doing that, right, you need to base that in your brand values, right? How does your brand value communication, what kind of communication and level of communication do you offer to your clients, right? That's going to be reflected based on what CMS you use, Mm -hmm. how you use it, and how much automation you implement. How automated is your onboarding process, right? How high touch is it? Mm -hmm. Where do you do that communication? Are those automated emails, you know? And that impacts client experience and that, you know, comes back to your values. If you have a ton of automated shit, and I love automation, okay? I love it. I am not bad-mouthing automation. I love automation. I automate the fuck out of all kinds of things, right. uh, but no one would ever know if I didn't say it. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 that's successful good. automation. Yeah, successful good. automation is when people don't know that it's automated. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, if you have some really obviously automated elements of your client process, but one of your brand values is like, bespoke communication there's something that doesn't line up there Mm -hmm. you know like you can't have both high touch one-to-one communication and a bunch of automated shit that your clients have to do totally right and it might be that some of your services and this is the case for me some of my services line up really well with a bunch of automated shit it's well done automated shit, not to toot my own horn. Um, but other services, if I were to implement those automated elements, I would be completely undermining the reason that they even came to me for what they hired me for in the first place. Totally. Um, so make sure that you're rooting the way that that is done in how, how you want your brand to communicate. 
mm-hmm. um, that is extremely powerful. It is extremely important. Um, it is extremely valuable for authority building mm-hmm. in your niche as well, um, because you definitely don't want to be known as someone who says one thing and does another. Yes, yes. Like, you, you don't want that. That is the worst. <laughs> 100%. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the order in which to do things. Contract, get that, get that done. Make sure you're covered. Yes. Values, brand values, and customer communication journey. Mm. How do they flow through that? And then match that up with your systems. Like that's your systems implementation. Okay. It's not go pick a CRM and mm-hmm. CRM, CMS. I'm mixing up all of my all of them. Oh, I feel sneaky. All of my acronyms. Um <laughs> I'm like, where is it? <laughs> That was great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, don't start with this system and then, like, start using its features. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's backwards. Choose the other way around. I love that. Yeah. That's such solid advice. Now, I feel like I've had your ear forever and I could talk to you for hours, but I know <laughs> that I need to start wrapping this up with you. So is there anything you'd like to share or promote, anything exciting upcoming um, that people can learn about? Um, yes, there are. There are actually several things yes. uh, that, are, that are coming up. Um, so I am, I'm always... I'm always, always open for branding and web design projects. So um, these are at this point booked through February of the coming year. Um, so I have, I have spots. I still have spots in quarter one open though. So if you're looking to rebrand in the new year, um, I would absolutely love to have a chat with you. Um, talk about whether we would be a good fit. Um, those are open for both branding and web design. However, I am changing some of the way that I work in the new year. So I'm very likely not going to be taking on web design projects uh, on the long term. So if that's something that you want to have done, we should chat sooner rather than later. Oh, <laughs> um, really? We're refining my product suite. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, I am actually also going to be releasing a course on Canva. So, so can I know I'm so pumped about it. Um, Canva, if you're not already aware, is a tool that so, so, so many business owners use um, and their teams use to create branded content for their social media platforms, their um, I mean, there are web implementations for it now. You can use it for your webinars. I mean, honestly, print products, anything that is visually related to your brand and to getting your content out there, you can build it on Canva. Um, I used to be someone who was staunchly against it because I was like an Adobe fangirl. Right. Uh, but I am absolutely obsessed with it. And from being obsessed with it, I've learned that a lot of business owners spend their time in there literally just clicking around um (laughs) so as a designer I realized that there's a knowledge gap between those who know how to use all of this software and those who are actually using it practically in your day-to-day um you as much as I would love you to hire me as a designer to create your brand and to create all of your content for you um you with Canva and the right tools and the right training 
don't actually always need someone to make every single one of your things for you. Totally. Um, as much as I, I hate to admit that, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I secretly hate it inside my soul. Um, but you're going to have some so- people that always want to do it themselves. <laughs> Oh, of course. So if you're one of those, if you're one of those DIY humans, mm-hmm. um, or you have a team who you want to be highly efficient in Canva design, um, that is another fantastic, fantastic um, way to utilize this training that I'm going to be putting out. Um, if you know that your team is spending man hours <laughs> in Canva building things and they are not doing it efficiently, um, then this is literally the perfect way to get them up to date on all. But it's a great way to make sure that everyone you know on your team is using the platform as efficiently as they possibly can um, to create gorgeous branded works for your business, whether you're using it just on Instagram or whether you're using it for your webinars and other tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is going to be a little bit more far-reaching than just a course on Canva as well. It is going to get into setting brand standards and how we implement those brand standards consistently. Um, so there's a ton of really good, valuable, high-value shit going into this course. Um, so the launch of that is going to be announced on my Instagram at the Gabrielle Scarlet. <laughs> um, and I would absolutely love to see you over there. Um, I put out reels pretty much daily and... Um, value content goes up that you can use to, you know, not only deepen your understanding of your own brand, um, but if you are more on the design side, (laughs) um, I do have tips and tricks for designers on there as well. Um, So the upcoming course. Yay! Fantastic stuff. Um, And I I do have spots open for one-to-one bespoke design packages in the beginning of 2022. Oh, that's so exciting. I know that your course is just going to be so fantastic and going to give people really good understanding of how they can make Canva and their brands really work for them. I just always love the tips you're sharing. So I know I eat them up. I know other people will too. Well, thank you. I think the thing that I'm most excited about for the course is actually the format. Mm. Um, So the way that I'm putting this together is uh, not in like half hour video clips. These are short snippets. These are easily digestible. Um, Obviously, some things are longer because it takes longer to cover the topic. Mm -hmm. Um, But as much as possible, these are succinct. They are closed captioned. So if you're someone who watches things... (laughs) silenced muted um and reads along you can 100% do that I know I need captions to be able (laughs) to process audio um even if I am listening so uh they are going to be very very much accessible Mm. even if you're not someone who has a lot of time um or you're someone who ordinarily struggles with going through courses that have video modules Yes. And I love that. That's my favorite when people break up the content like that, because it lets people go back to the parts they need instead of angrily going through 30 minutes or an hour of training and then still not finding the one thing they were looking for because it was in a totally different video. <laughs> it's so stressful. It's so yes. needlessly stressful. Yes. Um, yeah. So everything is going to be broken down. Um, I'm very excited about the way that I have it outlined and hopefully it is exceptionally helpful for all of you and your teams. Yes, it'll be amazing. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I'm so excited for everybody to listen and get all your tips. 
yeah thank you so much for having me this this was absolutely lovely and I love that um I love that we kind of got to talk a little bit about the more behind the scenes stuff uh because I you know I could talk about branding all day long um but people can get that you know people can get that on my blog people can get that on (laughs) on my social media we got to get really in depth about experience and I really appreciated you kind of giving me the forum to talk about that. Of course. I'm so glad to have these conversations that people aren't always having um, in business, which is some of that stuff that's behind the scenes and not so forward facing. So, ah, so. Oh, definitely. All the moments where I hit turbulence, right? Exactly it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, worked it in. Right? worked it in. (laughs) It was so perfect. (laughs) Well, have a good rest of the afternoon. You as well. (laughs) Bye. Bye, lovely.